So I think the word manifestation and vibration has become a buzzword, but really the frequency you emit is felt by everyone around you. And so I think the fastest, fastest way might be figure out what things drain you and then try to eliminate them as much as possible. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Everything Aesthetics. I'm your host, Gabrielle Okre. You can find me on Instagram at Woodbury Wax Bar. And today I have the one and only Brittany Shane on the podcast. She is the founder and CEO of Arizona Beauty Co. and Space Face. So she has both service-based business and a product-based business. Space Face is the line that I use for my brow laminations. I also carry their retail products to sell to brow clients. Britt is also a mentor and a coach, not just for other estheticians, but other business owners in general. She is one of my favorite people to follow when it comes to like spirituality and mindfulness, not only in the treatment room, but just like in your business in general. She has so many irons in the fire right now and she gives a lot of good advice on like how to let go of things that aren't serving you and really connecting to the more spiritual side of yourself and how that can be beneficial to you in your business. Um, I did just want to make a little note that this is an explicit episode. (laughs) We just get really conversational in this episode and we end up kind of talking about pretty interesting things. Um, but we do not censor ourselves. So if you have little ones, you might want to wait until they're not around to listen to this episode. But with that being said, I don't want to give too much away. So please enjoy Brittany Shane. Hi, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Do you like how I switch from like my normal human speaking voice to like my fun, energetic radio personality voice? Like, I think you should keep that in there. I think that should be, I think this should be it. That's the intro. That's it. This is it. (laughs) Wow. Yes. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hello. Hello. Well, hi, Brittany. Thank you for being here. Do you prefer Brit or Brittany? So I changed it to Brit because as I was going, um, going to products, I thought it was easier for people, but either way is fine. Brittany, Brit. Well, hello and welcome and thank you for joining me. I have a list of questions for you that we can go through unless there's anything that you want to start with specifically. But my first question just says, tell us a little bit about you, how you got started and why you chose to get into aesthetics. Yeah. So when I was little, I was obsessed with makeup from a super, super young age. And I, as I became an adult in my twenties, I kind of navigated through the normal, let's go to school, let's get a normal degree. And I never really felt like the corporate world or that entire world fit me very well. I actually, I wanted to be in aesthetics and become a cosmetologist. And my parents were just really, really against it. And everyone in my life really was gravitating me away from the life that I liked, which was makeup and cosmetics and hair. I was always very into it. So somewhere halfway through my twenties, I asked my mom, I said, you know, what did I love as a kid? I need to completely reinvent myself. I'm miserable. And she said, you always loved makeup. You loved being on stage. You loved acting. I was in theater growing up. She's like, you loved theater and you loved makeup. And so it kind of sparked that. And then a couple of years later, my cousin's friend had eyelash extensions before eyelash extensions were cool. And I was living out in Orange County at the time and it was very up and coming. No one really knew what they were. And I thought that is so freaking cool. So I went and got them done. And the girl who did them, I mean, she lived in the most beautiful house. She was clearing six figures. I thought, holy cow, I cannot believe how much money is in this. I mean, 25,000, at least more a year than I would have gotten with my business degree starting out. So, um, I said, you know, screw it. I quit going to college and I kind of made a lateral move. I learned lashes for, I think $350, which is (laughs) 
Oh, it's insane. How Bargain she- pricing. Wow. Totally. She just said, come and, you know, come pay me 350. You can watch me do a full set and then we'll take one together. And, um, you know, then I was just peddling my lashes and everybody had no idea what it was, thought I was crazy. I actually am from Minnesota, just like you. So I went back to Bemidji with my little, my little kit talking everybody into it. And they're like, wait, what are you going to do? You're going to glue little hairs. It's like, so I'm going to take this hair and I'm going to use some glue and tweezers and then I'm going to glue it on your eye. And it was just unheard of. So you got in like really early into the lash extension game. Really, really early. Yes. If you scroll way back on my page, you can see my, my shitty classic lash extensions. I love that you leave that up there. I feel like so many people would have gone back and like archived that shit, but you're just like, no, this is it. Yes. I've left, I've, I've deleted some that are unnecessary, but I've left quite a few because I just think it's, it's important to watch. I probably could still do a full set of lashes really well if I wanted to, but the techniques have changed a ton. Yeah. I didn't, I kind of chose me to be honest. I went to a set school just to get the license they changed as I was going through like I fell in love with so many things I've never really been into skin I mean I I enjoy having a skin-based business but I've never wanted to do skin I just I fell in love with a lot of different things so it went from just lashes into everything else and it was always the thing that I kept making money from on the side of everything else it just worked out and then I thought there's some money in this I should go get a license and yeah that's how that happened wow so you got into it early And it kind Mm -hmm. of evolved from there. How long did you spend doing lashes before you kind of transitioned into really your own thing? Timing wise, I want to say the first lashes I ever tried was maybe 2013, 2014. I didn't get my license in hand until 2016. At the end of 2016, I moved to Arizona and I was just kind of peddling around Instagram, trying to find out where I wanted to work. And I ended up aligning to a local beauty company. I wanted to learn microblading. And so that always really called me that again was way before four microblading techniques came in and I was one of the first in town. So I don't want to get too far ahead because I know some of this is going to be in the later questions we're talking about, but but yeah, I, I, um, I started, that was really what blew up my brand was when I started doing the semi-permanent makeup because I just happened to hit iron at the right time and not a lot of people were good at it. And I had already done like hundreds by the time it became quote unquote popular. So I, I did get lucky in that arena. That's what I attribute a lot of my success to is just the right timing for both yeah. services, honestly. I was just going to say, it's all about timing and that timing really worked out for you. Yeah. Awesome. My next question is what initially made you want to create your own company then. So I'm assuming, did you go right from doing lash extensions to owning Arizona Beauty Co? Yeah. So I did, well, I did lash extensions and I had a a fully booked schedule of lashes and skin, like dermaplane, things like that. Lash lift. I was also doing, I actually taught myself lash lift from YouTube. Um, I always make the joke that there's this girl who still comes in my business. And I think I'm like, she's a VIP because she let me do lash lift (laughs) on her before I knew what I was doing. And I learned it from YouTube and it, I mean, as with everything else, it, it just clicked. Like it's, I'm, I'm good with that. I can watch something and kind of just mimic it. But now that I think about that, it's terrifying. Like I would never let any of my employees like, like, don't do that. Uh, (laughs) I just, I just kind of just went with my gut and just figured it out. But, um, I, you know, we talked about being super real on here and I know that that was our goal and you're in Minnesota. So I think it's a little more removed from Arizona, but I worked at a place that was to put it lightly, pretty bad. And I, I didn't have a super good experience with 
working there, I was pretty misaligned to the owner. And so there was a lot of butting heads towards the end of my employment. I think I was just more concerned with the impact and the business was more concerned with money. So we actually had a conversation deciding to separate. I was actually moving back to Minnesota, had sent a bunch of supplies to Minnesota and one of my family members was sick. So I was going to go home. I told her I was going to go home and she said, okay, I had planned to fly back and forth to Arizona to take my clients. And about, I don't know, I want to say within a month after me telling her I was going to leave and just fly back and forth, she actually decided that she didn't want me as a part of the brand anymore. So this was long before I was supposed to leave Arizona by a couple months. So I'm scrambling. I have three months left on my apartment lease. I have all these supplies in Arizona or sorry, in Minnesota. And I just start crying. Like I, the first 24 hours, just me crying, trying to figure out what to do. And then my phone started blowing up. Like everybody said, where are you? My appointments being changed. Where'd you go? And I thought, shit, I have a, I think I have a really good opportunity to start my own things. I always was going to do beauty, but doing it in Arizona kind of fell into my lap. And I had, I think 50, I always say like $1,500 in my bank account. I put my hair in a top bun, put on a cute outfit, walked into salon boutique, which here is a retail salon store um, where you rent booths and I faked it till I made it and just said, Hey, I want this. I want this thing. I was like, Oh God, please afford the rent. Please be able. And it, it literally worked out. It was very questionable, but I went from that to six figures within six months and then multiple six figures within 12 months. So it was, it was such again, a blessing timing. A lot of it was that. And I just, I was working 14 hour days also like anybody wants an appointment. I was there. Well, right. That's the thing. When you're trying to start something from nothing like that, it's kind of like you take whoever is interested and you kind of are at the whim of how can I get as many human beings as possible to lay on this table or sit in this chair? Yeah, totally. But the stars kind of did align for you. And that's, that's really awesome. And that I feel like connects to a lot of stuff that we'll probably cover yeah, in a little bit, but in the same vein as like being real and talking about, I know that we talked before about how this might be a, a touchy subject or a, a more, I don't want to, that's the thing is I don't ever want to approach these topics in, in like a negative way, but I really, really want to try and convey like the reality of mm-hmm. these topics. So my next question was, how big is your team currently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree with you. And as I was writing um, this answer, going through some of my thoughts about it, I realized that I'm just going to start by saying this is not for everyone. I have friends that I've watched grow their teams to 15, 20 girls and sell it for a profit and walk away scot-free. I have girls who have stayed a single solo business. I have girls who have two or three employees that they absolutely love and they do great. So this is not an everyone experience. This is just a me experience. And just like with everything else, to give you an example, I went to an entrepreneur. They, it was a bunch of entrepreneurs speaking. Every single one of these seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs had a different path there. So the best thing that I can do is just share with you mine. And right now my team is like, if we had talked a year ago, I would have said 11 people. And that was at the height of Arizona Beauty Co. really taking off. And then Space Face really hit the ground running in the middle of last summer. And by last Christmas at this time, that's when we were starting to gain traction. So it's, it's a, Space Face is a pretty new company that I wrote here too. Like it, it required a ton of energy to build that brand through COVID. So a lot of people who followed me since then, I placed my first order for the first huge distribution with my manufacturer before COVID. And my product line is manufactured in Italy. So Italy was the first one to shut down. Um, So my stress levels, like I was losing hair. I had 
I don't even want to tell you how much money tied up in this. And then I get a call from my business partner at the time. And she said, Brit, our product's stuck. Like it's stuck in Italy. They just shut down production. And so I had, you know, going through the summer with that, we finally got our first shipment in July. And, and again, blessing after blessing, it worked out really well. But to answer your question, I thought I can't do both. Like space space took off in such a way that having all of these employees was really challenging. And so I silently to myself made it an agreement that as people moved and shifted out, I would just let them go. Um, I think we're probably going to touch on the realities of why it's easier to not have employees than it is to. So now I have, I have three estheticians that work for me. I have two renters. I am growing both because now I have very, very clear directive on what type of person makes an incredible employee and what type of person does not. And I think it's less about if having employees is great as it is about the right employees. Um, and that's something I just had to learn. I mean, I'm going to the fourth year of business and damn, I did it wrong, man. Did I do it wrong? And, and my team members now I have a couple that are incredible, literally would be so sad if they left. And a lot of the people, as people grow with a great, if you choose the right brand, you're going to start your own business. If your boss is, is good enough, you're either going to, as some of my girls have equity in the business. So you're growing it in the event of a sale. And then other people are going to branch off. So a lot of my girls go off to start companies. So that's part of it too. So as people have, have bought, like in the last month, I've had two employees leave to go start their own things. So um, one went to work somewhere else where it was more integrated and the owner was around all the time because I'm obviously off. So that it's hard because I'm transit, you transition, your business well, changes. And employees is something that I feel like we could do a whole episode about. Is, yeah, let's do uh, it. Well, because honestly, I'm in the process of interviewing for my first employee right now, my very first one ever. And it's a lot. It's, yes. it's a lot. And I, I know that I'm going to do it slowly. I know it's going to take me a long time. I know that I'm going to be really, really picky with who I let come into my space and be around my people because I, we all love our clients, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But there's just so much that goes into it that you don't see from the outside until you're like in it, in it. So yeah. I really think that that's something that we could talk about, I'm sure for a whole separate hour. For um, so, for so, so, so yeah, we could talk about that for such a long time. I think the hard thing is too, that I, I trusted a lot of the wrong people. I didn't really agree. I don't really agree with non-competes. I don't agree with non-solicits. I do agree with NDAs. Like in my case, I think that it would have been smart had I made all of my employees sign NDAs and maybe non-disparagement because now space face, you know, ideally grows to multiple seven figure business. And I have a lot of people who know me on a personal level, have traveled with me, have vacation with me, have gone to the bars with me. The non-disparagement would, would be a great idea, but non-competes and non-solicits, that's what protects your ass. And I never, I've never aligned to that. I just feel like it's, it's, it's almost kind of like marriage, right? You want, you, it's the same suffocating nature that people experience sometimes, not everyone, again, not everyone, when they, they have to be somewhere. I want my employees to choose to be in my building. So that's kind of my, my thought on that. But the, but the, the NDAs and the non-disparagement, I think that would have been a big thing because you, I really have been surprised, especially over the last year. I mean, we could talk about that for an hour. The shit that people have pulled in my business. I, I like sit back on the sidelines and I just pray and I watch and I go, holy cow. I, I, you just don't even, some people you think are going to be around forever. They do crazy things. And it's all about that foundation of money and people go crazy over their financial stability and um, they don't allow you to help them. They just make decisions and then they act. I mean, yeah, you're totally right. That is something that we could 
dive into on its own. I feel like what you said before about having the right people, like Mm. it's less about having people. It's more about having the right people. And especially in your, because your space face is more of like a product-based business and not a service-based business. So the NDA thing, I think when you have like trade secrets or like proprietary information to your business, and then you've got people leaving to go start their own thing. Yeah, I can see how that, but I'm not product-based. I'm totally service-based. So that's something that I had never even considered before. Mm -hmm. Smart. Um, so do you want me to go into the next question? Do you have more that you want to talk about for that one? No, I think, I think that I'm good on that. I agree that I think that that could be an entire episode in itself. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we might have to have you back for a round two. Yeah, I had, um, I have, I have a couple interesting stories about that have occurred recently, but like I had one of my estheticians start an entire business while working for me like an entire other location. And again, we're going to talk about spirituality later. I know because we're both very aligned in that, but man, trust your intuition. Both times this has happened. It happened again recently. I got the, it's been three different girls in the last year. And I knew when their energy changed, I knew it. I felt it. And I kept saying, are you okay? You know, you seem sad. Or in one of the girls cases, like you just don't seem happy. Are you upset with me? Is something going on? And, and as you know, you know, the me that you see on Instagram is I try to be as real and transparent. I'm not a perfect boss. I'm not a perfect business owner. I've only been doing this four years, but I actively really genuinely care about my people being happy. And so it's really disheartening when you have these things happen, because you want to be the first person to hear that someone's unhappy to hear that someone wants more money. And so basically, you know, I told two of my, my full-time employees right now, I said, if you're unhappy from here forward, this is, I never want this to happen again. You guys, like, I love you. And I want you to come to me first, please, for love of God, give me the opportunity. And if you say, you know what, Britt, I want my own business. I have so many employees, probably at least 10 since the beginning of my business that have started their own thing. That's what I'm here for. So to have it done in secret when you have a boss who's really open to that is such a shitty experience. And it's, it just feels like a lot of betrayal. So I think with the employees, that's how I'd wrap it up is just prepare as a business owner, just, just prepare for that. And don't ever put the ability to keep the lights on in the hands of your employees. Like if you can't afford the building alone, do not do it. Do not do it because it's, it's so scary to keep someone for just money. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like it would be really hard to not take something like that personally too. Oh, you do. Oh. You do. You do. It hurts. It. I had one happen recently that was really painful and I really love and care about the person. So I just, you know, you just have to, you have to let go of the reins a little bit and um, you have to do what's best for yourself and just wish people the wish people the best. I think sometimes people are so scared of financial security. Like we talked about earlier, that wound for some people is so big that it overrides their ability to make sound decisions. And I think that this translates into interpersonal love relationships too. We all know a girl who is loved by an amazing man and she just can't accept it. She's running around. She's like, Oh my God. And you look at her and go, Holy shit. I would love to have a boyfriend who does blah, blah, blah. And it's the same thing in business. It doesn't matter what you give someone. If they're not willing to shine to that level unconsciously, they're going to start to sabotage. And there are employees I've had that I can admit needed a different type of structure. Like my girls, we always joke that I have the free, the nipple management style. Let's see what you do, you know? And I, I do not micromanage. I'm very, very, very hands-off. So the types of people who do really well in my business are self-motivated self-starters and people who hate their boss breathing down their neck. Like I always say, you know, if it's within a hundred dollars, buy it. And if you don't hear from me, assume it's fine. 
And I, I'm realizing you cannot do that. Like it's kind of like parenting. So I've had to learn that the hard way. So don't do that. Finding a person that that management style works for has to be so difficult because yeah. the majority of human beings do not thrive with that kind of um, leniency in their structure. So yeah, yeah that's got to have a manager now. So we're doing better. <laughs> Great. Good. See, we're learning. We are learning. We're improving as we go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, great. So my next question says, it seems like your business endeavors have shifted over the course of your journey. Can you speak a little bit about following different paths in the aesthetics field? And I kind of just mean, so for people who aren't familiar, Arizona Beauty Co., your first business was a service-based business. Mm-hmm. Your second endeavor, Space Face, is a product-based business, which is I mean, primarily your lamination solution and your online training and you're getting into permanent makeup with that too, right? Yeah. So Space Face is just basically a vessel. It probably, and that's what we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit too, but it'll probably expand not just to beauty, but basically one of the things that I always love doing is taking products that for lack of a better term, suck or aren't that great and making them better. So beauty was just a natural transition for me because I was working four or five full days a week in the beauty industry. So I started there, but we'll talk about later some things that I'm working on that are unrelated. And I basically just want it to be a vessel for just kick ass products, different, different space face, plus a different word to kind of like hit different markets. I love products, branding. That's my favorite. I just happen to be very good at beauty. Um, So I did microblading predominantly from 2016 when I got trained up until now, I still do. Um, My pinky finger and my ring finger, in order to do this job really, really, really well, you have to hold the skin incredibly tight. And I just started getting some pretty severe pain in my right hand. So I had to, at the time a year ago, like make some decisions on how I was going to transition my business. And I have now found the sweet spot of having a product-based company and taking the amount of clients that my hands can possibly handle. But I, I mean, I turned 34 um, a month ago and you just, you don't realize like how hard it is on your body and anyone in this industry after 10 years will tell you, you know, carpal tunnel overuse is a real thing. So I transitioned from, I mean, booking out months and months and I kept raising my prices thinking that that would help and it didn't help. Right. And I'm taking money from people for brows. I mean, still my price of microblading is it's very high and I, it's crazy to charge people this much money for something. And so that's kind of how that evolved. I didn't tell people that at the time, cause I don't want people to think that I can't do my job because I definitely can. It's just like, if you're working out every single day, five days a week, and you start to have a knee pain, you pull back to three days and you're fine. So I'm still fine. And I really, really love training. I um, train fine line tattooing. I train in lip blushing. And every once in a while I do a one-on-one microblading. So I, I love making people the best, but yeah, it was just a natural progression and mostly because of pain. And then also because like I told you, I'm just obsessed with products, product obsessed. <laughs> so you're going to do like space face collab sort of with other, but you said it's not all going to be beauty based. So it's going to be like a space face X products collab with. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you one example. Cause I, I'll say this later too, cause you're asking if there's anything I've launched and I have not literally told anyone this. So oh you're the first person to hear it. So I, I have a lot of different company ideas that I'm doing, you know, like a, like a, um, 
equity in exchange for consulting. So one of the things I do is if people have really good ideas, they come to me, I do business consulting. It's not just beauty, it's overall um, random products. And I help people name, design, launch, do their mission statement behind the business. And then I walk away, right? So one of the things I'm getting into in my air quote old age, but in the aesthetics industry, I am in my old age, right? I'm 34 years old. Like this I get is, it. I'm 32. I'm, like, I'm right there with you. You are? Yeah. You look amazing. God, I literally had no idea. I would never have thought you were in your thirties. I mean, you act like it, but we're from the Minnesota where we're all, I swear I was an adult at like 22 in Minnesota. I was a full adult trying to get married at 22. I grew up real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Like on a farm, you have so much responsibility. Literally I was a farmer. Okay. So this is a total sidebar, but I have a bachelor's in agricultural science. I was a literal farmer for six years before I went to aesthetic school. My God. I, I love that. Yeah, I love that. I always say some of our best students to have nothing to do with beauty. Like one of the best girls I ever trained, she was a police officer. And then another one has like a bookkeeping business and they slay. It's, it's so cool how you're called here. Despite your background is so good. Well, totally. And that's what I want to get into next is sort of that calling. Cause I feel like, like you said, you've always loved beauty and been into beauty, but you were kind of on a different path and this kind of like fell into your lap. You're one of my favorite people to follow when it comes to mindfulness, energy work, and the spiritual side of business ownership. And I was also going to talk about manifestation too, because I feel like you talk a lot. And I know that's like a really trendy buzzword that everybody's kind of using right now, but I think you can tell when somebody is like genuinely knowledgeable about manifesting positive changes in their life versus when somebody's just kind of like trying to jump on a bandwagon and like Mm -hmm. talk about something they know nothing about. But can you talk a little bit about how you were drawn to the more spiritual side of business ownership? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's, it's funny that you say it's trendy because it totally is. And actually what a great, what a great thing to be trendy. So (laughs) I got, I get triggered when things become trendy, like neon and holographic and all that. Cause I was in love. I was in love with that. And I was like wearing chokers and I had crimped hair and then all this stuff becomes a trend. And I, I've kind of always been that person. That's what I just kind of feel what's coming next. And I go all in, which is where as we talked about previously, products are a big thing for me. So I encourage anyone listening, if there's something that you just tend to have a knack for, for the love of God, build a business around it, because it is so easy for me to do right now. Now that I have the vessel, like I told you, I have the vessel, I can say space, space plus whatever and launch it in a platform. And so I've kind of created that around that, but manifestation, I literally was the weirdest person to everyone I know in my early twenties. And I was trying to think about, I've always been weird. So I, when I was, my best friend was reminding me of this the other day, our parents got mad at us for using tarot cards. I want to say we were in middle school and her mom had a fucking meltdown because she thought that we were witches and we're like, I mean, maybe, but also we just, we just love tarot cards, you know, and I've always been really a light worker. I don't mess with anything dark. I've always thought, I've always realized I could like get really mad at someone and something bad would happen to them. I get really happy. And I just really felt that empathic energy with my world. And I would always know things a little bit before they happen. So I would go to my mom and there's like very intense, deep stories that we don't need to get into, but I'd go to my mom and tell her things. I was like, I think blank. And she would say, stop it, honey, go downstairs or stop. No. And it would happen. And I think over my life, that just was always a skill I had. So I got really into the secret when I was 20, 21, my roommate actually came and I, it's crazy how these moments in your life, you never forget. Like I went into my 
my bedroom. I was in my closet actually hanging up clothes and she came in and said, I got you something. You have to watch it. It's the secret. And for those of you listening, the secret is just basically the law of attraction at a most basic level, like basic, like if McDonald's is food, filet mignon is quantum physics, like McDonald's is the secret. The secret is like the most entry level understanding. And I, when she told me what it was, I thought she was a lunatic. I was like, what are you talking about? You sound insane. So we watched it and I was hooked. I mean, I could feel the chills through my entire body as a, you know, 20, 21 year old, I clicked so hard into this. And I thought this is my purpose. So it, as you know, me now in 10 years, I feel like that will be who I will be, but beauty has given me a vessel to spread that message. Um, one-to-one and it's, it was really like, we're getting into that too. Like why and how I think that beauty is amazing and what it can do for people. But we really just have the power to shift people with our energy and our thoughts. So I learned the secret. There was the, the night that convinced me was we were in our empty apartment. We were broke. I've, I've been broke, aggressively broke most of my twenties. Um, I've been without a house twice. I, I have put myself in situations where I wasn't, did not have money, but through these, these rituals and through the law of attraction, I've been able to create a pretty good life for myself, but we, um, pulled all the dressers out of our dresser and we flipped it upside down in our living room and we put it where the couches should go and like the coffee table. And then we sat there and closed our eyes drinking wine and just imagined the furniture all around us in this living room. And, I have chills just thinking about it because it's so, it was so insane. Cause the next day, one of our coworkers called and he said, Hey, my mom just decided to rearrange the living room or so do you want to take all this furniture? She doesn't want it. She's going to throw it out. And in that moment I was hooked. And I think you maybe have t- heard me tell that story before, but that was the first time I thought about something. You visualize it. You put an emotion behind it of how happy you're going to be when it arrives. And then the actual physical act of putting that around the room, it just was such a powerful, magical movement between two people. And I never, ever, I never lost that. I I, um, would sit at the bus stop. I didn't have a car. I had to take the bus back and forth to work. And I would sit at the bus stop waiting for my, my bus. And I would close my eyes and I would imagine like the wind through my hair and driving a white. I wanted a white Lexus SUV, which is funny. Cause like now I drive a white Mercedes, but I've always had white SUVs, like white luxury SUVs. And I was just broke driving a 93 Taurus. It broke down. My ass was on the bus and I didn't get a nice car until a couple of years later. It took a minute, but it was things like that, that really made me believe in the power of this and vice versa. When I'm in a shitty place, my money girl, oof, I, I know I instantly know I'm like, Brittany's off we're off. We need to go. The bank account's not looking right. Something is going on here. Well, first of all, I love that. But second of all, I feel like what you said about manifestation, there's like three parts to it that you said you like visualize and then, and you put something behind it. But I feel like that's so much more of like, that makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is the people who are like, yeah, I'm just laying in my bed at night, like wishing for things. And I hope that they like manifest into my future. And it's like, I feel like that's not That can't be right. That can't be a thing. Like there has to be a plan behind it or work that goes into it. Like you can't just sit around and dream about things and hope they come true. Right. Like that's not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, again, this is such a, this is a topic that could have its own full hour because it's, if I were to simplify it for anyone coming on board, it's whatever you think is true. If you think, and you're worried about being broke, you're going to be broke. It might not happen right away, but it's going to happen. It's all about what you think when you are manifesting things. I do this, this meditation, it was called the money ceiling. And there was a time in my life where I would imagine a thousand dollars in my bank account. 
And that would make me wildly uncomfortable. So I had to sit in that energy of a thousand dollars in my bank account and get to the point where it could be 3000. I was going to say a thousand dollars made you uncomfortable because it was a lot. Yes. Like, uh, like I couldn't, I mean, I make a thousand dollars in a day now and I couldn't at the time, like, holy shit, even, okay. I'll give you an example. When I opened my beauty business, I started the business in 2018, January. I signed a lease on a building. We outgrew our first space twice. So I signed a lease on a retail space. It was like 1250 square feet. I signed the lease in August. In October, we moved in. October to December, I spent $75,000 building the whole thing. Girl, I didn't even know I spent $75,000 because I didn't look at it. I just was generating and growing and generating. And when I looked back and I thought, holy crap, if someone had told me doing this is going to cost you 75 grand, I never would have done it. I would have had so many doubts around it. And so that would have sparked the fear so big. If somebody told me that I was going to spend $75,000 doing a build out and opening a business, I would like poop my pants and run away. So a hundred percent. And like the, my trainings were fully booked. My books were fully booked. The universe provided for me, but that's the thing is like, even though I've done these scary things, I'm a little bit different than other people. And like, just if it gives like money, it always gave me anxiety. Cause I grew up in that scarcity. So I've tried really hard to not watch my money. I mean, I check on it. I monitor it. I actually have other people manage the taxes and take the money out of my account. Like, I don't want to look at it because I know myself well enough that if I start focusing, she stops growing. So you really, and some people aren't like that. You might be the opposite. You might think I need to watch that number go up $500 every day. Cause then it'll turn. And you just got to know yourself. Belief systems are everything. And so if you think X, that is your reality and you will create scenarios in line with that. And that's not even spirituality. That's just the, that's if just facts. Think, that's yes, something that I talk about with life. selling retail. Um, in the course that I'm putting out, I have a chapter on like the value of retail. And honestly, if you think that it's scary to buy a $200 opening order and have that $200 tied up on your shelf, because what if it doesn't sell? And what if nobody wants it? And then you just wasted $200 in this stupid product sitting on your shelf that nobody wants to buy. If you think that that is going to be the reality of you selling retail, that is exactly what is going to happen. And yep. it man, like it, I don't want to say manifest, I guess, but it like comes true because then you stop ordering more retail and people see the same old dusty shit sitting on your shelf and then they continue to not buy it. Like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of. And I so feel like, true. yeah, I don't really know what made me think of that, but um, I feel it's like a great, no, it's a great point because yeah, that's a really day-to-day thing. Like if you're, and really it's like, I'm going to sell this retail. If that's your, if that's your mindset, guess what you're going to do when that client walks out every time. You're going to sell Hi, retail. How's the skincare? Yep. Do you still have brow soap? Do you need some more gel? Do you want to book a lash lift? I know we talked about it last time. Like that's our responsibility. Hey guys, I'm interrupting this episode really quickly to talk about the new course that I just released called Going Solo. If you've been listening to the podcast, you already know that I feel very passionately about the fact that being an entrepreneur isn't for everyone and that's okay. But if you feel like opening your own business is the path for you, then this course can help you do that in a realistic way. This course is perfect for anyone who has recently graduated from aesthetic school or those who are working in a bigger salon or spa setting or in a chain location and are thinking about going out on their own. It's also great for estheticians who have recently opened their own spot and maybe just aren't seeing the type of growth that they need to keep their doors open. Plus, it's super affordable no matter where you're at in the process. Going solo is guidance for the practical side of opening an independent aesthetics space and what that looks like in the real world. We cover six major topics, including selecting a space, building a clientele, marketing and social media, and so much more. Plus, there's bonus content on business management and the basics of what you need in order to successfully manage the back end of your aesthetics business. Right now, you can get 
get $10 off the price of the course by using coupon code PODCAST10. Head to woodburywaxbar.com slash going solo right now to get $10 off your guide to opening an independent aesthetic space today. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the episode. People always, the funny thing about manifestation is could things show up on your doorstep? I mean, sure, but come on, like, let's, let's put some, let's put some WD-40 on that door. So it doesn't squeak. Like let's help the universe get you there. And that it requires action steps a lot of times. Well, because Um, the odds that something's just going to show up on your door are very slim, but if you're willing to put the work in behind it, it's easier to make that thing show up on your doorstep. Like nobody's just going to deliver you a G wagon for no reason, but if you're going to put in the work, then that's going to become more attainable for you yeah yeah and if you're the person who's in your house right like let's let's speak to the people that maybe they have husbands that are in their house and they're in the beauty industry then they're listening that person your counterpart your mom your sister what they need to do is they need to say send me we have so many platforms that are digital do you know what digital means that means energy it's an energy potential it's ones and zeros right it's it's software it's energy it's electricity so send me the people through the waves that I need, right? DMs, Instagram, emails, phone calls. There's so many ways to reach people these days. And one of the biggest opportunities I ever got was with this group that I'm always posting, Arizona Entrepreneurs. It integrated me into a group of people who think like I do. He found me on an old, old, old Instagram. Like I don't even run that Instagram. And I just always thought that was weird, right? Like people will find you if they need you, if they're supposed to, if they're supposed to find you and if you've asked for it, trust the avenues. And it could be as simple as, Hey, you want to go to target? And then you're like in the soap aisle and you randomly make a friend who sells G wagons and he has one for, you know, it's, it's like, it, it is that easy. And sometimes it doesn't look like I'm going to get a G wagon. It's like, I'm going to the soap aisle at target. And those, then the worlds and collide and you look back and you go, Oh damn, you can like see all the points and see the stars aligning. Yes. Um, wonderful. Okay. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with the spiritual side? I mean, my next question says, how has it been beneficial for you and how can it help others? I guess I just meant like tapping more into Mm. knowing that what we do is energy work and how Mm. can you use that to your advantage in the aesthetics world? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm contemplating putting out a video that showcases what happened to my money stream when I went through a hard time in my life. And it was crazy to watch the percentages go down so aggressively when my energy went down. So I think that the best thing people can do when talking about money is keeping their own particular. I think the word vibration is, uh, what's it, what's it called? What's the word? Uh, a, f- a famous word right now. Like, like a buzzword. A, thank you. A buzzword. Yes, I could. So I think the word manifestation and vibration has become a buzzword, but really the frequency you emit is felt by everyone around you. And so I think the fastest, fastest way might be figure out what things drain you and then try to eliminate them as much as possible. In my case, my emotional relationships, because of being, you know, a multiple business owning entrepreneur, my romantic relationships are very challenging because it takes a specific type of person to be comfortable with someone's phone blowing up all the time. I'm literally not anywhere near where I plan to get. And I've gotten such, you know, I'm still a nobody in regards to the grand scheme of people who are famous. Right. But there's that little experience where you are on a different level than the average person who sits at a desk. And I was the average person that sat at a desk. I busted my ass to get here, but no one 
sees the girl who is an accountant peddling lashes in her basement. No one sees that. No one sees the bartender who worked. I worked two different jobs while putting myself through aesthetic school. Nobody sees that part. They only see the end result and it really pisses some people off. And so in my life, my detriment is those type of people. So I have to be hyper aware of letting them into my life. And sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes I'm wrong. And then that's what I was saying. That video, if I showed you guys like the day my relationship started deteriorating to the day I got out of it to the month after it's insane to watch the plummet to the ground. And then once I got back on my shit, it like started going up aggressively, like 40% or something. I can't remember the statistics, but it is for me integral because it's just an energy and in our business, it's all emotion, beauty, the people we work with. It's such an emotional business. People don't know that. Well, every client that walks through your door, I feel like brings their own energy. And that's a whole other topic of like being able to be in a spot in your business where you can pick and choose your clients, where you're not at that place we talked about before, where you're just like, Anybody who wants to get their lashes done, I need you to come immediately because I need to eat today sort of thing. Oh, that phase is so brutal. I think that I think that if you can keep your energy really high, for me, that was working with healers. I, I would go often during the first year of business to go, whether that was talk therapy, acupuncture, a meditation class. I've always had a hard time with meditation because my brain's very busy, but you know, things like, I think that's the point though. Isn't meditation supposed to be difficult? Like, I feel like people are always like, I can't meditate. I'm not good at it. Or I've tried it for three weeks and it never got easier, but it's like, that's the point. You're supposed to still do it, even though you suck at it. And even though it kind of sucks, like you're supposed to, you like have to embrace the suck. Yeah, absolutely. And like things like a gratitude journal, I have a, whenever I did a speech once in it was all on law of attraction. And one of the things I talked about was, um, or a manifestation journal, I'm sorry, not a gratitude journal. And I would write the date, the three things I wanted to manifest as if they were already here. And then I would write, and so it is, or something better, something along those lines. And there's one in there that says I make a thousand dollars a week. And at the time, 2016, I could never have a mat. I mean, I could imagine that. I mean, I knew that I wouldn't be a loser forever. Right. But I was like, and not like a thousand dollars is a lot of money per week. But at the time I'm making not even a hundred, like I was so poor and I couldn't just figure out, you know, I was like trying to figure that out. And it was, um, it was yeah, when you're, hard. when you're in that situation, the jump from a hundred dollars a week to a thousand dollars a week seems like scaling Mount Fiji or something. Yeah. Or is it Fuji? Absolutely. <laughs> is that the water? Fiji water? Fiji water. Either Mount- way, either Mount- way. <laughs> Either way, when you're really, really um, aggressively broke, that jump from a hundred dollars to a thousand dollars seems like impossible, but yeah. Well, and if you're doing lashes back then, I think fills were around $50. So if you think that I had five clients, I mean, my weekly income wasn't that high. So it was to think about making a thousand dollars a week, um, or a thousand dollars a day, even I can't remember which one it was. It might've been a thousand dollars a day. It was just an inconceivable normal for me. I could not imagine that. So those are the kinds of things that I did back then. And I think I just started becoming more comfortable with being that version of myself. Well, which I think is a lot of what it's about. You know, you have to start showing up as the version of yourself that you need to be to get you to the next place. Absolutely. And then it's like a pro tip, but once you get a thousand dollars a day, then you go, okay, what kind of thousand dollars a day do I want? What do I want to be doing for that thousand dollars? 
And then you make a lateral move from how you're making the money, which that's the transition I'm in right now. And it's scary. It's scary to go into my building and see it be empty. Sometimes that place was popping off before. Right. But I made, I had to make a lateral move because my energy is my currency and my hands. I need them. I'm 34 years old. I can't, I had to do a trust fall into the universe and space face is my fucking trust fall. Like you guys are watching me fall back and it, it's worked out well. I mean, you've, you've watched. I was going to say, yeah, it's been pretty incredible to watch. Yeah. It's been amazing. And I think that's because I would never launch carry or sell products that I don't love. And I would rather be poor than to put my name on something that doesn't matter. And there are things that I sell that then I took pulled back. You talked to me, the wax pencils, you literally yeah. watched that happen once you're like, what about, that was you, right? Or you're like, the, yep. you're one of them. Um, yep. There was a couple people that reached out, but the five that reached out and missed them, that's not as important to me as the 500 that had no idea how to use them. And it represents the brand poorly. So I'm the first to say like pull things if it's not the best. And if my brow lamination line ever ceased to be the best, I would change it. And I just think think that's what gives you integrity as like the owner of a product-based business that supplies a lot of other estheticians in the beauty world. Like knowing that if you can't back something a hundred percent, you're not going to continue to sell it to us. Like, I think that's what gives you the credibility to take this thing from zero to a hundred as quickly as you have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like I can say, you know, with that brow lamination in particular, I always say, I don't know that I put this in writing a lot, but I always say to my team or to, you know, my like lead sales manager to my trainers, if it's not working, you're not using it right. And that being able to say that sentence with integrity and know that that's factual, because in my own building, the what's coming out of the doors is amazing. I'm watching this work be amazing. I'm wearing it, you know, and if it's not going well, something's not being done right. Being able to say that sentence, I want to always be able to say that sentence. And that can be painful, right? If you put your money into, into something in the wrong, in the wrong capacity. Totally. So where are we at? What has been the most fulfilling part of your aesthetics career? I guess most fulfilling and or favorite and or best part. (laughs) Yeah. um, So the coolest thing that we can do is absolutely change someone's life. And I do not say this lightly. There are people who come into my building that before I had a building, when I was lashing in my my little basement room that would say, since our last lash appointment, I quit my job and I applied for my dream job. This one girl, she's like, I, I applied for my dream job in San Francisco. You inspired the hell out of me. And I'm literally going to leave Denver and I, I got to go. And another girl said, I quit my shitty relationship and I rented an apartment and I move in next month. Thank you for inspiring me and making me think that I could do better. She's now getting married with, with twins, with the person that she met after leaving this shitty relationship. So I have full chills. I think that it's, it's so powerful. If nothing else makes you become a healer or start a healing journey in the beauty industry, just a simple fact that we really are coaches. We really are an underpaid therapist or sometimes an overpaid therapist, right? Like permanent makeup makes you more money than a therapist makes in an hour. It is your responsibility. If you are going to have deep, intense conversations with people to heal yourself enough to be able to hold space because these people are vulnerable and they open themselves up to you. And God, you have such an ability to change and shift people's lives. I have people tell me about their abusive marriages. And because I have a background in psychology and I have researched the hell out of mental mental health my entire life, I actually can be a coach for these people, which is what led me into doing actual coaching. But I mean, shit, like what a cool, cool thing to be able to do for people. So above money, above the ease of the schedule and the freedom to do what you want and to do a bunch of different services and change your mind on what you spend your time doing, the ability to really and powerfully convince, because it is convincing, convince people of their greatness, see untapped potential because you sit with them 
once a month in your case, or a lot of people's cases is once every two weeks for an hour and a half by a year, an hour and a half, every two weeks with somebody you can change their entire being and kind of in a unique way, right? Because they're not coming to you for that purpose. They're coming to you for something totally unrelated, but you end up with the ability to help them anyway. Yeah. And their guard is down. Their eyes are taped shut or like in your case, I mean, they're in a crazy they're position. Very naked. They're very naked. Yeah. I honestly started transitioning out of services also because I realized people were just booking microblade touch-ups because they wanted coaching. And I'm like, then just come book a coaching. You want to talk, you want to do some spiritual healing. You want to heal those mommy and daddy issues. Like, let's just look in the eyes while we do that. We don't need, you don't need to come let me cut your face to get a little bit of this, you know? So That's one of the things you were asking me, you know, what I'm working on and where we're heading is I'm trying to structure some sort of a coaching program, whether that's every other week in Arizona, I'm going to be doing, um, every week, Wednesday night, like a yoga thing. And at the end, I'll be doing a meditation, not always, maybe twice a month, spiritual classes, things like that. So that's local, but I've been trying to figure out how to use what I've learned in a greater sense on a virtual platform. The problem with coaching and, and a lot of people listening can benefit from this is if you don't set your prices high enough, that also can become very draining. So you have to strike the balance of, it's almost like an incubator period. You take on a client for four weeks, you charge what that energy is worth and you set a serious intention to change their life in that period of time. So that's a whole other conversation. But I think that if you are listening to this podcast and your favorite thing in the world is your ability to change people's lives, then start learning about coaching, start getting a certification, start reading books. And then you become a light worker. You become a vessel of service and God, the universe will provide for you. Like they, it will. The law of divine compensation is a good book to read on that. It's um, I want to say it's Marianne Williamson wrote it. And it's all about quit doing things for money and start doing things from a place of service. And when I read that book, my business went from $60,000 a year to six figures a year because I just shifted that one element of my mindset. I love that. I think that's really good advice for anybody else in the field who feels like they may have a calling to do a little bit more, Mm -hmm. more than just, like you said, play therapist while you cut people's faces or have their eyes taped shut or wax off all their pubes. Um, That's so funny because the interview I did earlier today too, we talked a whole section about how we are not technically, but kind of these people's therapists. So I feel like that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a recurring theme that keeps cropping up over and over. So I feel like that's probably a pretty universal experience for service providers in the beauty industry. Yeah. And I think maybe I could shoot this question back to you too, because I'm actually curious. One of the pain points I have when coaching people is I have the, had the advantage of doing a very high price service. And I also do education, which is a lot of money in a short period of time. And both of the things I do, I, I feel like I do well and I love them. But when I coach people who do things like lashes and waxing, the hourly rate is such that when you hit burnout, you need to be forward thinking about other things, whether that's training programs, like I know you just launched, which is why I was clapping you behind the scenes because you have have to work two lanes at the same time. It's your service-based business. And then what's your contribution to the world? It doesn't need to be related to beauty, but what are you going to use your beauty money? Cause let's say you're at a hundred thousand dollars a year, but you're a lash artist. That's a really good, normal income for a great lash artist. How are you going to get it to half a million? You know, where is that? And that is where, <clears throat> you know, finding the average space face product took me about a year, even those wax pencils that took me a year to find those. And I ended up not even using them, you know? So it's, it's and I bought thousands of them. So, you know, I think, I think that that's, I was just giving them away at the end. I'm like, just get these out of here. Um, I think that that's a really tough thing. So maybe I love ask you a question, you know, how do you, how do you like, is that a pain point? 
because it's hard when you don't do training and you don't do permanent makeup. How are you going to fill the gap? Right? Yeah. I mean, the course that I have launching, I think is part of that. I have thought about going into education and actually becoming like an aesthetics instructor. I just don't know that like a traditional aesthetic school setting is somewhere that I would thrive. My own personal school experience left a lot to be desired in the way Mm -hmm. of some of the teachers, not all of them, but some of them. So I think it may have left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. But the funny part about me getting into aesthetics is that I wanted to become an esthetician because I thought I wanted to do makeup. I thought I wanted to do bridal and editorial makeup, which is absolutely hilarious to me now because the thought of having to work with brides every day makes me want to die a little bit. (laughs) Um, But I was going to do that as a way to make money on the side while I went to school, I actually got accepted um, into a master's of psychology program to become an LMFT through Pepperdine virtually while I was living in Arizona. And so being an esthetician was like my fallback. Like this is going to be just like my side hustle, get through my master's degree sort of thing. And then once I graduated school, I was like, no, wait, I actually really like this. Yeah. Uh, So I've thought about, so going back to launching this course has been kind of like my jumping off point for that, maybe getting into teaching a little bit more. Um, I also offer just like one-on-one coaching in performing Brazilian waxes to aesthetic students and licensed estheticians in the Minneapolis area. Um, I don't do virtual or anything. I just, I've not wanted to like try to teach somebody how to wax labia properly through Zoom. I just don't think that that's a, (laughs) I love it's not in my wheelhouse, but um. Yeah, let's not. Also, I have a video like that and it's terrifying like to watch. Yeah, I I don't even like watching videos like that. And I yeah. do Brazilians every day. And when yeah. I watch those videos, sometimes I'm like, oh, please, Lord, no. So a little bit of education. This podcast is also another avenue for me to like spread out in the aesthetic yeah. world a little bit, because I feel like as a waxer, sometimes you get so in like an echo chamber just of other waxers. Like that's all who I follow and follow me and interact with and talk to on a daily basis, just waxing all the time. So this podcast is a nice way to like branch out a little bit and go wide, not deep, which I'm really excited to see where this actually goes. I know so many people have successful beauty industry podcasts and they're all wonderful and I love them, but I'm excited to do something maybe a little different here. Um, So that, and then a few other things in the works that it's probably a little bit too early to talk about um, on recording, but I can cut this. That was kind of like why I wanted to know that is because I think that, yeah, you're, you, one of the reasons why I think we've always aligned is because we have a similar vibe, right? Like we recognize each other because we are the same. I might be a couple years further in trying, but we are the same person. You could do what I did a hundred times over. And I always make the joke. I say, you know, will I end up a billionaire? Potentially, but do, do I want that much work? No, I don't. So if the yeah. universe would like to make me a billionaire and I can, I just, I'm following the path of ethics and wherever that leads me, that's where that leads me. And I heal and learn every day. I, grow spiritually. But the biggest thing is I always have a challenging time understanding how to coach estheticians and beauty professionals into the 10 year version of what they're doing now, because we all feel young and I hate this phrase, but hot girl summer, right? Like we're all in the hot girl summer phase of our aesthetics career and girl, your fingers, your neck, your back, it's real. It's going to happen. If not in 10 years, maybe 20 or 30, 
Um, and so you need to be kind to your body, your fingers. Like for me, lashing, it, it, it chose to eject itself for me. I was in so much pain every time I lashed. And so while I ended up pretty good at it, it just wasn't for me. And so education is a great way to do that. And here's the thing. There is no lack of people who need what you have. And I really, really dislike just the same way a hundred people want to come and get your wax or your lashes or your permanent makeup. A hundred people want to learn from you. And I have taken six, seven, eight courses, you know, sometimes in the same, the same service. So there's so much of that available. And I really, I really, really think that learning to coach, to consult, what's your strength within your industry, even if it's not beauty, you know, in 10 years, I'll probably own beauty companies, but I probably will own not beauty companies. You know, we're all so much more than just beauticians. And I think that that's the trap. Like you said, my explore page is all beauty. And it triggers me because if I go to my other page, it's spiritual quotes and uplifting memes and just, you know, I know. And I try and make it like a healthy balance of both, but it's so hard. And this is so, this might not even have been the right move and I'm kind of regretting it now, but there are some people on Instagram who I have had to like actually unfollow or just even like mute their posts and their stories, not because I don't love them, but because it was just becoming so overwhelming. Like everybody, you just fall into the comparison trap so yes. easily and you think, yes. what am I doing? Like there's art, she's doing so well. And I can't even imagine myself like doing that as well as she does. And like, why even bother trying? And then yes. you just get a little like, woe is me. Yes. Um, so I've had to unfollow a couple of super successful people that I really enjoy, but I just had to take that out of my field of vision for a while. Absolutely. And I think like to level the playing field, one of the things that you've always expressed that you liked about me is the realness. And I know that I am probably that person for many people. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties. I know that I am a trigger for some people who are in their mid thirties who like maybe haven't taken care of themselves or whatever. I found aesthetics early. I stayed out of the sun. I did all the right things. So people are like, Oh, you look so young. Well, yeah. You look incredible. Thank you. But, 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 but it, that's because of the choices I made. Right. And so I understand like there is a trigger with, there is a trigger with certain elements in maybe physicality isn't one of them, but let's even talk business-wise. I know that my brands probably trigger a young esthetician, even employees, people who've worked for me. I have watched my own employees, not my current ones, but like get triggered and pissed off by the success. And why am I not this busy? And why am I? And the thing I will say is like, I spend most holidays alone. My family was incredibly toxic. As time has gone on, we've gotten better. I love my siblings so much. We have gotten so close over the years, but that trauma of childhood, I have so much going on that people don't see, right? Like I cried last week at a day where I had such a hard day. It doesn't matter the money. It doesn't matter your business. It doesn't matter what it looks like on Instagram. I just went through a terrible breakup this summer and it took me to my fucking knees. And I think that you don't see that online. And so it always makes me so sad because I look you know, at someone like you. And I was making the joke. She texted me earlier and said, you know, I just got to do something with my son. And I said, I don't even know you had a son, you know, but I look at, I look at that, like someone who's happily married with a baby. And I think shit, like that's the, that's the other side of the world that I'm not in, you know? And then my friends with babies go, God, you're so lucky. You can just hop on a plane and go anywhere. So there is something to be said for that. And I hate when people just act like everything's fine. Everything is not fine. And if you're doing your job on this planet, right. And you're truly a light worker and you're truly healing, everything is not fine. Everything should not be fine because you're digging up. If it's not your own wounds, collective conscious wounds, you're being of, of service to others. And I was at, I was at this metaphysical school once and he goes, how are you guys enjoying your time here on earth? Like, how's that going for you? 
And everybody basically was like, oh, it's great. You know, they're just like toxically positive, which let's do a fucking episode on toxic. Oh my God. Can we please? That's kind of what my first one was on. And I've gotten so many messages. Literally the podcast has only been out for like nine hours and I've gotten so many messages. Like, I love that you talked about positive, toxic positivity. Like that's something that nobody talks yes. about and it is like rampant yes. in our industry for let's sure. Let's do it. Let's we do that one. We need that. to do that. We need, we need to just like co-attack toxic positivity because the, just screw that. Right. And like it, he, he basically said, oh yeah, you guys are all doing good. And I actually said no. Cause I literally went to this school to heal, heal my shit. I was like, I'm not doing good. And he goes, all right, well, apparently Brittany's the only one who like figured it out. And I didn't even know what I was doing when I said like, yeah, I'm not having the greatest month. You know, this November is not being nice to me. But that's like and- just one of the rules of therapy is you can't go in there and lie. If you're yes. going to go in there and be dishonest, you're not going to get anything out of therapy. I'm sure it's the same with your, yes. what did you even call it? A, the, 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 where I went the school. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was just like a metaphysical university. Like the whole point is to get in touch with, with the esoteric side of being a healer. Sure. And I go through three days of amazing. I'm on a high. And then I have a day where I dip and that's how, that's how healing goes. Even when you get Reiki or you do hands-on healing and people will tell you like, you're going to have, you might have a healing crisis and a healing crisis. That's exactly what it is. You don't feel great. You're not sure why, but that again, that's a whole other topic. I I read this book, which I actually don't think is in alignment for a lot of people, but it was called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. You've probably heard of it. I have it on my bookshelf. (laughs) It's, it's a lot for most people. I think, especially in our industry, we are not in marketing. We are not in a corporate environment. You need to be very careful. If you implement these principles, you're going to piss all these women off, right? This is, but one of the things he does talk about that I took and ran with is the act of allowing yourself to be unhappy is good. And the act of being sad that you're sad leads to so many, so much depression to such a bottom out of your, because if your marker is I'm always happy, you're, you're, you're going to fail. You're going to fail and not being able to be not okay. It's not, not spiritual to not be okay. So that was a lot. Yeah, you have to be able to No, I totally get it. You have to be able to be sad without being sad about being sad. Yeah. yeah that yeah. sounds insane, but it's, it's very true. It's okay. And it's normal to be sad and take a step back and it's not failure if you're learning. Yeah. And I think like, there's a line there too. Like let's talk about client connection and not oversharing. But one of the reasons why my business went viral and people come back month after month. And I have to literally say, you do not need any more. You are, you do not need any more pigment in your face. Please stop. Like I had to do that at the beginning. Um, and I, you know, obviously won't name names, but I have had a client where I shared some happy little story that had happened to me and it was vulnerable. And I said, Oh, guess what just happened? And she said, okay, well now I'm going to tell you a story. And she goes on to tell me a very deep personal story about what's going on in her life. By the end of her appointment, she was crying. I was almost crying and she left and made life altering decisions to leave her marriage because of that conversation and text me. Thank you so much. And all I did was say, Holy shit, guess what just happened to me is so crazy. And I shared this this story that made her then think, okay, Brittany's sharing. I'm going to share now. Granted, I am very cautious about certain topics like the family and the child. I'll say, I don't have the best relationship with so-and-so, you know? And then if they ask, I go, I keep it light because you guys, we are at their crown chakra. We are at their third eye. And that, that energy, you can make people, you can feel it. You can feel them take on your shit. So there's a, there's a level that I encourage you to pay attention to, but sharing, I think always opens up a door for that client to come back. And the ability to be vulnerable. I mean, like you said, 
there's a time and a place, do it correctly. But I think yeah. a lot of the most successful estheticians, especially waxers, God, there's, as we're talking about this, there's this one girl that I follow um, on Instagram. She's Haley Glow. I don't know if yeah. you I don't, follow I, her. I don't think so. She is so real and so open with her clients. And she has built like this following of, it's like a cult following. Like yeah. people are obsessed with her. They know her everywhere she goes. And she's just a solo waxer. Like she doesn't have a team. She's not yes. like a huge giant business owner or whatever. But like, I think the ability to connect with people like that is so unique to what we do. And like you said, we're, it's an exchange and you can kind of feel that back and forth. And again, when the time is right, there are topics that you have to be careful about, but I think that's one of the things that one of the biggest gifts that we have as estheticians and service providers in the yep. beauty industry. Totally. Yep. yep. And I think, and I, I know this is getting long, so you probably, you may have to cut some of this, but I do want to say one thing, like if you're listening to this podcast and you're not great with people, first of all, read the book, how to win friends and influence people. It's so basic. It's so generic. Take and leave what you love, you know, take what you love, leave what you don't, but learn that, but also pick a service where you don't have to talk like microblading. I don't really have my clients talking lip blushing. I'm not really talking tattooing. I'm not talking. So you guys, if you are a lash artist or a waxer and that's not your vibe, then that's fine. But tailor your business accordingly. That means the 15 minutes at the beginning and the 15 minutes at the end, you have to force yourself to be personable. <laughs> and then you're going to lean super hard on my room smells nice. The bed is up is made of fucking clouds. This person is super comfortable. I give them candy or a snack when they leave. I don't have to give people a candy or a snack. I am, I'm wildly personable. I actually have to have had to tone that back in myself, right? Like they're laying on some flat ass cardboard bed. Somebody once told me they're like, my butt hurts. And I go, wow, no one has ever told me they were uncomfortable. You just think everything's going well. Cause you're, you know, so if you can't master the art of making people like for lack of a better term, obsessed with you, then you need to lean really heavy into the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes well, the experience, wow. make it an experience, make it an experience. Yep. And then make them just super comfortable and then go into quiet zone and say, I'm really, really, really concerned with this going as best as possible. So I'm not going to talk and, yeah. and that's okay. You just have to vocalize it to your clients. Otherwise they'll think you're weird and yep. quiet and that you don't like them. And you're just yeah. not making conversation because you're weird. You don't like them. And that's the other thing. Invite them to rebook. It's weird. People don't ask their clients to come back. That's how they know you like them. She likes me. She wants me to come back. They want you to like them. It's really, it's really that simple. It's People true. just want to be liked. We all just want to be liked. Even if you say you don't, like you do. It's a basic human need. It's it's a, yes, companionship, belonging. Yeah. And you were giving both of those things during a service, companionship and belonging and love. Truly. Know? Yeah. Um. Okay. So the last two questions. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of covered this, but if there's anything else, any other insider info you want to give, I just have any new launches or exciting insider info you can share products, collabs, I mean, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff you can't talk about yet, but. Yeah. So I've been really into the nail industry lately and kind of revolutionizing that I've kind of posted about that a little bit. So I'm trying to figure out how to bring my own space face version into, into this industry. I think that a lot of us are fucking tired of going to the nail salon. So I'm really interested in that. And again, the price point on launching that would be significant. So I have to make sure that it's done well. So that's a maybe I also am really into just kind of changing things that I feel like could be better. So as you know, I had started working on a tarot card deck, which made me realize how obsessed I am with tools that make people more intuitive. So my next brand will probably be 
not to do with beauty and really just intuitive tools that connect people more to their spirituality. So that will probably look like books, journals, tarot cards. And what I realized in, the, in doing this tarot card deck is one, it came very easily to me, but two, I have a lot of friends that would be very, very amazing authors. And so one of my goals over the next five years is to actually start a publishing company. And I don't know how that will shake out, but I'm kind of starting with tarot decks and spiritual things. I have a couple of friends that have offered to write books and let me publish them. So I'm really into that, like public speaking events, tarot, like anything to shift people just aggressively into the light side of the world, because I think that that, that's what the world needs. Totally. And I heard a rumor that you might do a TED talk at some point. Yes, I will. I was at an event and I, there was a girl there and she said, she was like, Hey, I want you to come audition to do a TED talk. And I, I literally, I don't typically get nervous or feel resistance to stuff. And when I talk about public speaking, it's been such a big dream of mine. Like TED talk has been on my vision board forever. And it's funny because they always say like, you don't date people that you like, you date people that you want to be like. And I've dated two dudes with TED Talks and I'm always pissed because I'm like, why aren't you still a public speaker? I want to go stand on stages. And so I'm running into my own personal blocks to greatness when I think about transitioning from, you know, a beauty business into being more of a spiritual thought leader. And that's something that's definitely going to happen. But like I said, when I sat down to think, you know, what's my contribution and what would I want my TED talk to be on, you know, getting that clarity has been really overwhelming. Cause I've hit another, I've hit a wound of mine. Like I said, you know, it's, you make a thousand dollars a day and then you go, well, how do I want to make a thousand dollars? I'm like, well, if that's how I want to make a thousand dollars, I better get really fucking comfortable with standing in front of thousands of people. So I think that there's that judgment piece for me that it makes it safer for me to write books and launch courses and do it from behind here. So I have, you know, I have my own pain points, but yeah, when she asked me that, I told, I told my friends and she goes, geez, you just literally said a couple of weeks ago, you wanted to do public speaking. And so, yeah, I'm going to audition for it and hope, hope, hope that they pick me. But um, on top of that, I'm speaking at an aesthetics conference here that I, someone just reached out and I'm being featured on the just grow podcast coming up soon. So you guys, when you put something out there and you ask for it, like, it's kind of crazy. It's That's kind of really crazy, but so exciting. Like how incredible for you. Yeah, I'm excited. But I think that, I mean, you know, like you, you decide to do things and then you do them. You're one of those people. You and I are those people. And that to anyone listening, I mean, you can talk all day, talk all day, but I'm 34 years old and still not really doing my dream job because I've just kind of been drug around by the path that life has given me. And it's your responsibility to carve out time and every day to move yourself towards that end, right? The time's going to pass anyways. The time is going to pass anyways. It will pass. So use even if a couple hours a week to move yourself into that. And, you know, I got asked to do that first speaking engagement and I talk, you know, I'm a super talkative person. I'm talking all the time. This podcast is probably way too long. because <laughs> Like I just, a two hour episode. Yeah. Two hour episode. <laughs> I just run my mouth, you know, but I had to come to the hard truth of, oh yeah, you want to be a public speaker? You have no idea how to do that. Like you, do you understand? Like you have to, when I went and looked at how to do it, it's really just, you write a word and then you talk about the word and that's where your note cards is. And I show up with all these notes and I'm like, I ended up not even using them. because Terrifying. I would be so scared. (laughs) You would? Oh my God. Do you know the thing I'm scared of is not being, it was not being of value. It was being given that opportunity to climb inside the ear holes of all of those people and thinking, what can I say to actually help them? And, and to me, I mean, that's always a fear of mine is just 
that's what scares me the most about writing books. And that's what's kept me from doing things like making the tarot cards because I want to actually help people. And it's, it's, it's a lot. It's like your, your fear is so like such a good one though, because you're coming from a place of wanting to help people. My fear, like my limiting belief is that I'm so afraid of looking stupid and I I'm working on it, but like putting out this course, like it kept me awake at night. Like what if somebody watches this and thinks that I sound like a fucking sausage with a mouth? Like what (laughs) if I, what if I sound so incredibly stupid that people are like, Hey, have you heard about this stupid girl? Like, I can't believe how fucking stupid she is. Like that is truly one of my big limiting things. And I, I honestly was talking with my therapist about it because that's what I do is talk to my therapist about work stuff. And he was like, well, what gave you the right to open your first business like your first studio suite in Arizona like what gave you the right to do that and I was like I don't know I just woke up one day and decided that's what I was going to do and he was like well that's what you have to do with the course like just wake up in the morning and decide that now you're making a course and I was like okay and (laughs) with that one decision you became an educator it's literally that simple and that's the thing I think people don't understand standing on a stage last week in front of da 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 like now I'm public speaker did when did you ask me to do this you asked me within the last week yeah recently the energy, I swear, I I got asked like, uh, it's it was putting it out and then it comes and and that's it's just. But even like even just like that, like asking you to be on the podcast, like I had wanted to ask you for a month easily before that, oh. and I just never sent the message because I was like, I'm so afraid of looking stupid and sending no, that message no. and being like, hey, I'm just curious. No worries if not. Um, not a big deal. Just kind of wanted to know, like, if you have any interest, but I know like you have a lot going on. So no worries if you can't make it work. But like, I, that's how I've kind of approached every single person that I've asked, but everybody has been so gracious just like you and wonderful. And like, yes, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Like, it's so so cool. I'm working on it. (laughs) Why? First of all, you're so captivating on screen and on your Instagram. It's, it's hilarious. And the thing is like, it's such an honor to be asked, right? Like I did not get carpal tunnel and work 14 hour days for as long as I did to not do things like this. Right. And, and we all start from somewhere, right? I started from ground zero. I started poor. I started begging clients to stick with me. I started messing up. Like I did all the things and, you know, really the greatest mentors are the people who have been there, have struggled, and then are willing to turn around and share. So I, I do, but but vice versa, that energy stream hit my life the moment I said, universe, I want to do public speaking, right? And then the energy stream landed into my life and the universe said, all right, Brittany, here you go. And it was like, you came at that time. And so that it's like you said, you wanted to send the message for a long time and didn't. And then all of a sudden I aligned to the energy and then it came. Yeah, literally, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to ask her. Even if she thinks I'm a fucking idiot, I'm just going to ask her anyway. Not at all. Yeah, and it worked out totally. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm glad your energy, you asked the universe for what you wanted and it helped what I want fall into place. Yes, but really, right? Like it should always be a co-creation between two people. If you're in a situation where, you know, and that circles all the way back to employees, my employment and their employee, their, that being an employee should co-serve both people. And if you can't strike that balance, you will lose things because that's not what the universe needs right now. Like we all need, no matter how rich you get, you know, I hope, I hope if it's ever to the point where I am independently wealthy and don't need to work, I hope that I never lose that. And I have, I always was really scared of that, that I would grow and grow and grow. And, and you just don't know what's going to happen to you. 
And I mean, I still, no one can see me, but I showed up to your homeless. Don't even have a bra on and haven't brushed my hair. Like I'm, yeah, right. Same. So You're in a closet. <laughs> welcome to my closet. Sorry. Literally. I, I just, I think that that's, I think that that's like just a really cool thing is like, you, you know, you just start. And if your goal is I want to help people, I don't think that that could fail you. I don't think it could. Well, I think that's a great place to end off. I mean, well, I do have my last question, but this is something yeah. that I'm going to ask every single guest to answer mm-hmm. the same question as mm-hmm. kind of like the last note of the okay. podcast. So if you could give one piece of advice to somebody just starting out or fresh out of aesthetic school, what would that one something be like if, or if you had known what's something you wish you had known when you were just starting? Okay. So there's three books. You've probably heard of some of them. Um, Think and Grow Rich, The E-Myth. The E-Myth is why some businesses fail and others don't. And then the four hour work week, not because it can actually be implemented into the beauty industry, because obviously it's hard to work four hours a week and take clients. Right. But there are principles in there that helped me build my first business. I read it and I, I read it right before I started my first business. And for the first year I outsourced every single thing that I did. So everything from laundry to just like every single basic human function and need, even grocery shopping, like everything was outsourced and it allowed me to just dial the F in and hit six figures really fast because I was actually a robot. Um, so I, I, I wanted to get there really quickly because I had a mission to do things. And so that book really helped me understand you don't need to put your money into things. You need to put your money into the things that give you time. And so because I read that book, it really helped structure. So I was going to say, if you read those three books while you're in a set of school, by the time you get done, you'll be sitting really pretty because you'll have a lot of education. So probably a combination of those, which is really the same vein, like practice the person you're becoming while you're in school. So that way, when you're done, you can hit the ground running. Well, and, and educate the person that you're becoming. So like those books you were talking about, the ability to implement systems right away when you graduate school yeah, will take you so much further than having to start day one on graduation day versus if you had started learning and becoming when you started aesthetic school and practicing and researching and all of the things. So I think that's major. Yeah. I feel like by the time the day I got my license, I was really, really, really well versed in, in lashes. I mean, I was really good at them, but so I didn't have that learning curve. So, I mean, obviously you're going to have a learning curve with some stuff, but the, the, the better you can be on that last day. And that might even look like start getting a part-time assistant position or even internships, you know, companies like mine will do internships for people that just want to kind of get their feet wet and be in the industry a little bit. And, um, I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. You know, we, I need to grow my team. And as I told you, finding the right people is tough. So a lot of business owners will let you work for free if you're doing an internship and then it's a mutual beneficial thing for both people. Yeah. Work experience. It's huge. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being on. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate it. Like, I think that you are the type of person that is my ideal type of person to have do an episode because you do keep it real. Like there's no fake fluff and beating around the bush and, you know, kind of canned answers. Like you want to talk about some real shit. We'll talk about some real shit and the hard parts and the ugly parts and the scary parts. And I think that's going to resonate with people. So I appreciate you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I hope to be back. (laughs) Oh yeah. We're going to have to do at least a round two because I'm pretty sure we picked on like at least four topics that we could talk ad nauseum about. 
Okay, well, I'll let you go. I won't take up your whole day. Thank you again for being here. And I hope we talk soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye, <laughs> Okay, I don't know about you guys, but after listening to that episode back when I was just editing it, like, wow. I know that was a really long... Like, normally I'm going to try and keep these episodes shorter, like, more like 45-ish minutes. But we just really got to talking, I feel like, and I hope that that came through in the interview. I really, really value Britt and all of her insight and input um, into the side of the business that maybe a lot of people don't consider. It's so easy to get wrapped up in like your profit and loss statement and like the facts and the figures and the rock hard concrete part of your business. But it's it's really nice to explore a little bit of a, a different area of this industry sometimes. So thank you so much to Britt for coming on. I have one more episode in the works for this year because we're already almost halfway through December, which is wild. So I have one more solo episode coming out and then I will be taking a break until the new year. But as always, I welcome your feedback or if you have any suggestions for people that you would like to hear on this podcast, please send them my way. Again, I am at Woodbury Wax Bar on Instagram. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today and for listening. I appreciate all of you so very much and I can't wait to talk to you again next time.